Amen. All right. So if you look in your notes, I wanted to just talk a little bit about uh, the workplace because we talk, we often talk about, you know, Galatians 3 and 13 says that, you know, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. How many of you know that scripture? Galatians 3 and 13, we talk about Christ has redeemed me. And very often we kind of don't incorporate the work of redemption into our workplace. And I thought it would be a good thing for us to maybe just have an understanding of work and the workplace um, and see how it fits in line with the redemptive work uh, of God's plan for mankind. Amen? Can you say amen? All right. So uh, how many of you have often seen these bumper stickers? Uh, you might have seen these slogans. For example, I owe, I owe, off to work I go. I owe, I owe, I'm off to work I go. And we have kind of this whole, it's like a grudge. I gotta go to work, I gotta get up in the morning. How many of you feel like a hamster on a wheel every morning? You have your cup of coffee, then you do this, and then you and you get it. And I owe, I owe. Off to work I go. All right. Or otherwise, you might have seen this other token, TGIF. You, you, uh, you, you know what that stands for? Thank God it's Friday. And you've got a Monday and Tuesday, but Friday's coming. And when it comes to Friday, it's uh, thank God it's Friday. All right. Uh, how many of you have heard this one? A bad day at golf is better than a good day at work. All right. Uh, and anything just to take the drudgery and the heaviness out of work. Or you might have seen this one, a lottery winner, never have to work again. How many of you know those that, those that win the lottery in about a year's time, they've spent it all. They've just, they've burned it all because they, they don't have the responsibility and the acumen for all this finances. But I want you to see this morning, family, that um, your workplace is actually not a job. It's actually not a job. If you see it at a as a job, then you'll be singing, I owe, I owe, off to work I go, all right? So the workplace is not a job. It, I mean, it is a job, don't get me wrong, but it's not just a job. Your workplace actually is a God-assigned, God-ordained place of ministry, and if you begin to see that that way, I can tell you right now, I can put my head in a block, that things will begin to turn around for you. There'll be a different atmosphere. Your boss will take a different outlook on you. If you are the boss of that company, things will begin to shift. Things will begin to align themselves with the purposes of God because actually your work is a God-assigned, God-ordained place of ministry. Actually, your workplace is a mission field that's been given to you by God. You don't, you don't need, oh, I'm, I think I'm a missionary. I'm waiting for, to hear a voice in the middle of the night. Thou has been called to China. You know, we get all these weird things. No, our workplace, if you are skilled in the business uh, arena and you know that that's where God has called you, then that workplace actually is your mission field. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's a place where you can exercise your faith it's a place where you can demonstrate your love for Jesus, and in so doing, hallelujah, you influence those who are 
in that work environment with you, okay? So what is my workplace? How do I see my workplace? And how would we get to uh, define work? How does, in fact, how does the Bible, how does the Bible define work? Uh, you know, because some, for some people, work is like a, you know, I owe, I owe, and you get the story, right? But if you look in both the Hebrew and in the Greek, in the Old and New Testament, you look at the word uh, work, it actually means this. It's a means to do business or trade, okay? So you're there for business. You're there to trade. And actually, as you, as you trade, as you do business, it is where you find fulfillment. Hallelujah. It's where you find fulfillment, but it's also a means where you can serve God and you can serve others, okay? This is all if you look at the Greek and the Hebrew renderings. And then it says they actually, actually also, let me just tag on here, that not only do you find fulfillment, not only is it a place where you can serve God and serve others, but as a byproduct, as a byproduct, you're going to be poor, you're going to be broke, you're going to be battling. Is that what it says there? No, as a byproduct of doing work comes prosperity. Hallelujah. So it's not that you're running after the prosperity. The prosperity is a byproduct. I don't believe that we need to stress and we need to hassle. Uh, what's that? The, the, uh, I think I've seen somewhere on Instagram. You got to hustle. You got to hustle. You got to hustle. No, the world has to hustle. We don't have to hustle. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be sharp and alert and responsive and spontaneous, but we don't have to hustle. That word hustle means I'm going to con you, and if I got to stab you, if I got to kick you, if I got to punch you, if I got to knock a tooth out or something, I'm going to do that so that I can get higher up in the field of, uh, of, of, of work. Amen. We don't, we don't need to hustle. It's a byproduct. If we got our priorities right and we understand the definition, amen. So from these definitions, how many of you can see that work is actually a God-ordained thing? Anybody here? All right. Work is actually not a swear word. It's actually a God-ordained thing. And that work was actually God's purpose from the beginning for mankind. Say this after me. Work was God's purpose for mankind from the beginning. Okay, amen. So when you look at all of that in one of the other definitions, uh, looking at the Hebrew and the Greek, actually says that when we work, okay, we employ, we involve our mental capacities. We involve our emotional capacities. We involve our intellectual capacities. We involve our physical capacities. And guess what? We also involve our spiritual capacities. Let me tell you, when you're putting all of those capacities into your workplace, you will be noticed. Hallelujah. If you're looking for promotion, just work on putting all of those capacities to play. And let me tell you, your boss will quickly see the, something different about you. Because everybody's trying to see how little they can put in. But when you understand that work actually is a God-ordained thing, and you come to work, and I'm present with my full emotional capacity, my full intellectual capacity, my full physical capacity, I'm spiritually prayed up, my mental capacity is there, my emotional capacity is there. Let me tell you, you're going to stand head and shoulders above everybody else. Can I get an amen? 
So that's very important. And, uh, and when we employ all of those things, at the end of the day, we're getting to serve God and serve others. Amen? And that's very important. So when we look at the Bible, actually, when we look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we see that God himself is actually the model worker. If, 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 you, if you're thinking about where, where does this work come from, actually, it comes from God. We have God to blame for that. All right? We have God to blame for the concept of work because God is the model worker. And we know that for six days he worked. On the seventh day he rested. And when he did that, all of, uh, he all of the heavens, all of the earth was created. On the sixth day, mankind was created. And so Genesis 1 and 1 tells us that in the beginning, God created. In creating, there was work involved. Can you say Amen. And then we can see that uh, Psalm 121, verse 4, and I know sometimes I use this scripture for people like Pastor Mervyn, because, uh, behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. I think Pastor Merv has about three hours of sleep a night. He's, 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 he never sleeps. He's like God. All right, I need seven hours. I don't know about you. I need seven to eight hours of sleep, all right? But here's what it says about God, that he who keeps Israel, he who keeps whatever your name is, all right, uh, shall neither slumber nor sleep. Amen. So God himself is the model worker. And then when you look at God's son, Jesus Christ, what was he when he came into this world? What was his father? His father was a carpenter. Jesus himself was a carpenter. But actually, in the Bible days, when you were a carpenter, it wasn't just woodwork. I was terrible at woodwork when I was at school. Boy, don't get me to make a stool or something because it wouldn't fit and one leg would be shorter than the other. I was hopeless when it came to woodwork. But in the Bible days, if you were a carpenter, it also meant that you had understanding with regards to masonry, which is stonework. And you also had an understanding when it came to metalwork. So Jesus wasn't just a woodworker. He, he would know, he knew how to cut stones and, and, and shape stones. He knew how to source metals and how to bend metals and how to probably make wrought iron stuff. I don't know back in those days. But so he was more than just a carpenter. And all of that means he knew how to work. Jesus knew how to work. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus wasn't the skinny. You know, sometimes you see in these churches, thin little Jesus, little legs like this arms that were like as thin as my little pinky hanging on the cross. No, he was, he was a big dude. He was a worker. I mean, when, if you had to go from Caesarea to Jerusalem, uh, those, the guys are getting ready to go on the Israel trip. It's not like from here to the tree away. It's a, it's a trek and it's uphill. And it was stony and rocky. So these guys were big guys. They, in, back in those days, I'm sure they would have had a form of doing CrossFit as well. I don't know. Maybe they did. <laughs> but uh, you look at Jesus. Jesus wasn't afraid to work. <laughs> Can you say amen? And so when God created us in his image... Uh, yeah, we are spirit. Yeah, you know, we, we, uh, we have the ability to speak, all right? But actually, he created us in his image to be workers. Hallelujah. He created us. When he created us to be like himself, God is the model worker. Jesus reflects what the Father is and was. And we are created in the image of God. And guess what? I'm, I'm created to be a worker. And I don't have this concept, I owe, 
I-O. Off to work I go. I go. No, we don't have that concept. I've been made in the image of God, beautifully made, wonderfully made. I've got giftings and talents and abilities you have, and I've been called to be a worker, and my workplace is actually my mission field. Hallelujah. It's a God-assigned, God-ordained thing. In Genesis 1 and 26, we know that's where God said, let us make man in our image, all right? And then he said in verse 28, then God blessed them and said, now be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over all the fish, all the sea, uh, over all the birds, over every living thing that moves on the earth, okay? And then in Genesis 2.15, the Bible says that the Lord God took man and put him in the garden to do what? To work, okay? So he put Adam in the garden, and the Bible says they to tend and keep it. In the NIV, it says he put him in the garden of Eden to work it, to work it and to take care of it. So in effect, God told Abraham, Abraham, I want you to be fruitful. And when you are, you cannot multiply whatever is, if there is no fruit. Multiplication comes as a result of fruitfulness. So I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth. I want you to subdue the earth. I want you to begin to rule over the earth I want you to have the dominion to be able to call things that are not as though they are. Adam, I put you in that garden. I want you to be able to name animals. In other words, I want you to use your creative and intellectual ability. All right? I put creativity on the inside of you. When you see an animal, I want you to begin to place a demand on the spirit of creativity that's on the inside of you. And then I want you to begin to cultivate the land. In other words, I, I need you to work the land. I need you to serve in that land. That's what it means. And then not only that, Adam, but I need you to also keep the garden. What does keep the garden mean? It means that you need to know what it means to go through great pains to take care of and to nurture what I've placed in your hands. Hallelujah. I think that's an important thing, that we also have the ability to go through the pains of caring for and nurturing. God, I want that job. Yeah, but you haven't gone through the pains of caring and nurturing this little thing that I've given. If you can learn to take care and nurture what I've given you and go through the pains of the caring and the nurturing, then I can release something more in your hands. I mean, if you follow me this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. And so he put uh, Adam in the, uh, in the Garden of Eden. Did you ever ask yourself, how big was Eden? Did you ever think about that? How, how big was Eden? I mean, it's a small little place. Like, it's just walk around. Okay, that's it. I've, I've tended. I've, I've kept my garden. Just, this, hmm? No, actually, Eden was big enough because the Bible says there was four rivers that flowed through that land. When you read Genesis 2, it, it tells us that the, I think it's the Pashon, the Gihon, the Euphrates, or, or the Tigris. And then uh, there's another one, I think, uh, the, the Euphrates was one of them. Is that right? The Hidical or Tigris and Euphrates. And then it also mentions some of the land, which was like part of Havila, Assyria, part of Iraq, part of Africa. 
Eden wasn't a two-by-four little place, let me tell you. It was a huge, vast piece of land that four major rivers were flowing in it. It was loaded with all kinds of emeralds and stones and precious elements that were in there. So when God does something, He doesn't do it small. He does it big. Hallelujah. And Adam was given that task to look after that huge piece of ground. Amen. And so, of course, we know that the story doesn't end there. I wish it did, and I wish that it would say, and then more land was given to Adam, and Adam's children multiplied and go through the genealogy. And after this person came uh, uh, Oswald, and then came John, who was the son of Oswald, and he ruled, uh, but it doesn't go there, right? We, we know what happened. Sin came in, and of course, transgression came in. Adam transgressed. And we know that when sin entered, that sin corrupted mankind, but it also distorted man's view of work. Okay, we need to understand here that there's a difference between work before the fall and work after the fall. And after the fall, God said, hey, buddy, you're still going to work because that's my assignment for you. That's my purpose for you. Only this time, because of what Adam did, it's going to be through toil and laboring. It's going to be the hustle that we were talking about. You're going to work, but you're going to have to hustle. You're going to have to whatever, kick this guy, jab that guy, punch that guy, poke that guy's eye out. And that's the world. That's, that's because of sin. All right. But how many of you know that it doesn't stop there? Thank God we don't have to hustle. Thank God we don't have to work and work and work and work. And when you look, you've got nothing to show for it, okay? That's part of the curse. Jesus came and died on the cross. And when he did, thank God that not only did he redeem you and I, he redeemed your workplace. I want you to lift up your hands and say, when Jesus died on the cross, he not only redeemed me and my family, but my workplace is redeemed by God. Hallelujah. So because of the cross, we are no longer under the curse. And what does that mean? That means that my workplace, I don't have to get up and sing, I owe, I owe, off to work I go. Okay? That shouldn't be your mantra. No. I've been redeemed from the curse. All right? My workplace is a redeemed workplace. Hallelujah. So what does that mean? It means that my work becomes my place of calling. It's where I get to fulfill the purposes of God through my work. And so I was thinking, how would it be if we had to look at our workplace through the eyes of redemption? If I can see myself redeemed and my name is written in the Lamb's book of life and I'm going to heaven and thank God for that, and I see my wife is redeemed, my family's redeemed, we're serving God. What about my workplace? What, did, what would it look like if I could just, in my spirit, man, begin to think about that my workplace is redeemed? Yeah, I know that I'm surrounded by Philistines, uncircumcised Philistines. I know that they're swearing. I know that all kinds of things are happening. But that doesn't need to come into my space. If I can see that my workplace is a redeemed workplace through the eyes of redemption, then I can see that my work becomes a place of worship and a place where I can serve my God. 
I mean, I think this is very important, that my workplace becomes a place of worship and where I can effectively serve God, okay? So scriptures like Colossians 3 and 17, whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you do in word or deed, do some of it, huh? All of it. Why? Because all of you and all of your life is redeemed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not doing it for that boss. You're not doing it for that company, whatever company it is that you're working for. You are doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. Why? Because my workplace is redeemed. Colossians 3.22, Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And again, it says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. I think this is a very important concept. It's very easy to get sucked in to the worldly way of thinking about our workplace. And then we, we fail to see that my workplace is a redeemed place. It's my place of ministry. It's my place of worship. When I see my work as redeemed, it means I'm working for God and then I work with an awareness of His presence. That doesn't mean to say they're going to be swearing around about you and carrying on and telling filthy jokes. You don't have to be a part of that. That doesn't need to enter your space. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm coming to work. I'm coming to work for God. I'm here because of God. I'm not trying to please anybody. Yeah, that means I'm, I'm not trying to rebel either. Whatever my boss tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. But I'm, I'm coming for God. I'm working for God. And I have within me an awareness of His presence. And when I'm aware of His presence, I automatically do my work with a spirit of diligence. I think that's very important. If you want to get noticed and recognized, you're going to have to put in the extra. You can't put 100%. You're going to have to go 120, 150. Okay? But realize, I'm working for God. There's an awareness of His presence. I mean, like I've said before, you can be in a taxi, and they can be blaring that music. That music can be thumping and whatever they're rapping about. And in that place, with all that noise, you can be in your space, worshiping God. Not to that tune. But you can be aware of God's presence. You, we are carriers of His presence. Wherever you go, God's presence goes with you. Hallelujah. And so I begin to do it with a spirit of diligence. If you have an awareness of God's presence, it's impossible to be lazy and idle. You know, sometimes we, we go to certain places and then people serve you and you can see it's like, they think that work is a curse. And I mean, you know, with the unemployment rate as it is, we should be grateful for the jobs that we have. But when it's done with a spirit of idleness and laziness, it doesn't reflect nicely on the company. When you got people that are lazy and idle working for you and you're in charge of that company, it doesn't represent God, all right? If you have an awareness of His presence, you're going to do things with diligence, Amen. You're not doing it for your boss or anybody else. You have an awareness of His presence, and you're doing it with diligence. And diligence is a God-ordained way to work. 
Can I say that one more time? Diligence is a God-ordained way to work. You know, sometimes I go through the toll uh, in the, at the Shongweni uh, stuff, and I've got a disc, uh, one of those tags, but sometimes the tag doesn't work, so I've got to go through whatever. And it's always wonderful when you hand your card or your money to the woman. Hello. Oh, hello, how are you? Ah, oh, I'm okay. And, and she's got a smile on her face. And I mean, I don't think I'd like to be there car after car after car the whole day in a little cubicle. And outside it's like 35 degrees. Probably in the cubicle it's probably close to 45 degrees. But she's got a smile on her face. And it just, wow, I think, wow, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing, you know. It just like, I want to go back through there again and just say hello to her again because her smile kind of like affected me. Because when I look at the environment that she's in and the work conditions, I don't know if I, if I would be smiling. Anybody in this place? So diligence is a God-ordained way to work. And I've got a lot of scriptures that we can just look at. Proverbs 10 and 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes what? Makes rich. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent will what? will rule. You're looking for promotion. If you're trying to do as little as you can, you will not be promoted. I mean, unless, of course, you put a bit of a bribe. But the, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 13 and 4, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent will be made rich. These are phenomenal scriptures that we should just meditate on on a daily basis. The plans, Proverbs 21, 5, of the diligent lead surely to plenty. If you are diligent in, in your spirit, God is going to give you plans, ideas. There's going to be strategy that's going to come your way. There's going to be like a, a directive that God, you're not going to be floating around aimlessly, all right? Proverbs 27, 23, be diligent to know the state of your flocks. In other words, look at your work environment. Like when, when God put Adam in there, he said, I need you to care for the garden and nurture the garden, which means you need to go and inspect. Okay, that plant there is not doing so good. That animal mm, doesn't look so good today. So you're taking care of and you're nurturing your workplace. Amen? How many of you can see how important diligence is. Diligence is not what you do at work, but it's how you actually work. Diligence. Your, the diligence comes not in what you do, but it comes in the attitude. It comes in the how. How I do it. Doesn't matter what it is that you've been called to do. If, it's been, if you've been called to sweep the floor, it's the diligence is how I'm doing it. How I'm doing it. Hallelujah. God is more interested in how you do your work than in what your actual work involves. Hallelujah. Why? Because it reflects the attitude of your heart. I want you to ask yourself this question. What would it look like if I went to work for one day and decided to do my work for the Lord and not for my boss? What would your day look like? What would you have to change? in order for that to be a reality in your life. If you decided, I'm going to make tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm not working for Smith and Nephew. I'm not working for 
SABC, I'm not working for whatever company it is. I'm going to work for my God, and I'm going to see my workplace as a place that has been redeemed by God. It's a, my God assignment. It's God ordained for me to work. What would my day look like? What would I need to change? You see, when you see your work through the eyes of redemption, you begin to see that your work becomes a gift from God that actually brings about a personal fulfillment in my life. I believe that we were created to have, to see personal fulfillments. There are there's, there's, there's some personal things that are on the inside of you that are looking to be fulfilled. And work is the environment created by God, given to you by God to see the fulfillment of those little desires, little goals, little whatever it is that actually goes together with who you are as a persona, that goes together with your skill ability, your talent level, all of that. So it's great. I think... I think it's, it's terrible to see people unfulfilled. Unfulfilled people are miserable, unhappy, and they sing that song. I owe, I owe, off to work I go, all right? Ecclesiastes is, has a lot of scriptures here. Uh, chapter 2, 24. Nothing is better for a man or a woman than that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. So God's saying, yeah, I, you, it's good for you to work. And in that work, you, your soul needs to find a place of fulfillment. Your emotions needs to find a place of fulfillment. Ecclesiastes 3.13, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor. This is the gift of God. Ecclesiastes 3.22, So I perceive that nothing is better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his heritage. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? And then, of course, this one, Ecclesiastes 5.18 and 19. Here is what I've seen. It is, a, it is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his heritage. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him the power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. Hallelujah. You see, it just changes the dynamics when we see our workplace as a place that has been redeemed by God. Amen? And so I begin to see that my workplace is a place that builds me up. It's a place that gives me a sense of achievement and personal worth. Personal worth in the place that you are working at. Proverbs 12 and verse 11 says, He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. Proverbs 22, 29, Do you see a man who excels in his work? Hallelujah. He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. So, in other words, we, we look at another concept and we can say that God does all things with excellence. God does all things with excellence. If I'm made in the image of God, wouldn't it be natural for me also 
to do things with excellence, not only to have a spirit of diligence, because when I go to work, I'm working for God, and there's an awareness of His presence. And in that presence, I work with diligence, but excellence is also part of the nature of God. Hallelujah. Actually, excellence is God's way. Inferiority or inferior work actually discredits Christ in the workplace. Can I say that one more time? Inferiority work discredits Christ in the workplace. Let me say that one more time. Inferior work discredits Christ in the workplace. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, this is like a real wake-up call for us because when we do church here on a Sunday, we've come a long way, and I'm looking at all the nitty-gritties, you know, walk into a place, and mm, I don't think, okay, I need to talk about that, I need to talk about that. It's not because I'm being critical, not because I'm trying to fault-find and pull people down or whatever, but we, it's, we're, God is excellence. I mean, he, God is an excellent God. He does things with excellence. When we do inferior, sloppy work, we actually discredit Christ in the workplace. And that goes for the church as well. Not too long ago, I was in a church in a certain part of Durban, I'm not going to tell you, and I walked in there, and I was like, I was heartbroken because what I looked at, you know, didn't need a lot of money and a lot of um, work to, to actually fix it up. If you just did a bit of this and just put your heart a little bit into that, boy, this place could be transformed. And I actually thought it's actually, you know, it's actually embarrassing. It's actually terrible that we think that that's okay. But inferior work actually discredits Christ. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. Amen. So God does all things with excellence. And actually excellence is a testimony that you can actually see. You don't have to talk. You don't have to talk, because sometimes talk is cheap. We talk and talk, and some of us are good at that, but what can you produce? Let me see with my eyes. Let me see the excellence. Let me see the diligence. Let me see the fruit that's coming from there. Can you say praise the Lord? Hallelujah. So I just wanted to really unpack that for you and to, and, and for us to begin to say, God, if my life is redeemed and I've been redeemed, uh, 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 then what about my workplace? If I see my workplace as redeemed, my goodness, then I see my workplace as a mission field. And people, that's what I want you to see. Your workplace is a mission field. That doesn't mean that you have to stand up and preach and not work. Oh, Pastor John said my, my workplace is a mission field. So now uh, forget about the work. Forget about calling the clients and doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to be preaching all day and all night. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking in that while you are doing the work and you're doing it with diligence and you're doing it with excellence, that just your conduct, your attitude, people will just like, you haven't even said anything. The greatest testimony is not what can you say, what can you show me? Remember I said that diligence is not actually what you actually do, it's how. It's the how, how I'm doing it. If I've got a smile on my face and I'm just, all I've been asked is just to mop the floors, man, that, that's great. 
You know, when I go through that toll, it's a little lady in a little box, and the temperature's high, but she's got a smile, and she's like really, I mean, she engages. Wow, that like, that tells me, you know, that tells me that actually that workplace for that woman, whether she's born again or not, I don't know, but it's a, it's a, it's a mission field for her. It's a place where we can get to represent Christ and influence others for the kingdom and for the kingdom's sake. It is a place of divine appointment. I want you to look at that. I know maybe you might think, but this is not what I've been called for. The right time will come for you to be either promoted, a door will open, but if you can just show God that I've gone through great pains to care for and to nurture what you have placed in my hand. I'm responsible with this. I'm accountable for this, God, and I'm, and I'm not doing it for my boss. I don't care if nobody pats me on the back. I, I don't care if nobody sees me. I'm doing it for God. You see, if you're trying to be noticed and you're doing stuff to be seen by man, you've got your reward already. You've got your reward. People have seen you. That's all you're going to get. But when God recognizes you, there's a whole lot more at stake. And when I see my work through the place of employment, man, it's a divine appointment. God has divinely placed you, appointed you, and set you in that workplace. And in that workplace, you're to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue, to have influence. And as a byproduct, as a byproduct, what happens? As a byproduct, what's going to happen? I'm going to prosper. As a byproduct, what's going to happen? I'm going to prosper. Can you say amen? amen? Come on, just lift your hands right now wherever you are. I just feel the Spirit of God in this place. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you. We honor you right now. I want to thank you. Lord, I sense many in this place today perhaps have come under attack. Maybe, God, I sense the spirit of heaviness and discouragement. And maybe even as, Lord, the budget speech or, or, or the economy or whatever it is out there, I don't know what it is specifically. But today we come against every spirit of discouragement, heaviness, that what's the use? I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you today that you said in Galatians 3 and 13 that Christ has redeemed us. From every curse, the curse of uh, unprofitability, Lord, the curse of being unfruitful, the curse of being unproductive, the curse of being barren, the curse of actually having no cash flow, the, the curse of being unemployed, the curse of having to work and work, I, oh, I owe, I owe, off to work I go. God, that curse, every curse right now is broken in the name of Jesus. I declare today, God, that from today, people will begin to see their workplace through the eyes of redemption. That you have redeemed us, spirit, soul, and body. But you've redeemed our workplace because you have ordained us to work, God. You are the model worker. 
And I thank you, God, that even as we, you begin to change our mindsets, our viewpoints, that even though the curse entered the garden, yet because of the cross, God, the curse leaves our workplace. The curse leaves our finances. The curse leaves our ability to work with the spirit of excellence and diligence, my God. The curse leaves our ability to prosper. That prosperity is not the means to the end. It's just a byproduct. It's just by the way, by the way. It's just by the way while I'm worshiping God and I'm serving God and others in my workplace that by the way I'm going to prosper that by the way doors and multiple doors are going to open that by the way money is going to come looking for me that by the way I'll be like Peter that will have to call others to come and catch this harvest that by the way I'm going to employ others because my business has gotten so big that just by the way while I'm worshiping God and aware of his presence and executing my work with diligence and excellence that just by the way franchises will open up that just by the way companies and top companies overseas will call me to do business with me God today I release the spirit of faith in this house in the mighty name of Jesus I want to thank you Lord for divine favor Divine favor, divine favor. God, in the name of Jesus, as I bring Leanne to you right now. Right now, God, she hasn't come to the end. No, it's not a dead end. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. But I thank you, God. It's just the, the end of that phase. It's the, it's the beginning of something new that you have in store for her, God. In the name of Jesus. Like I just see God having his a weapon full of bullets and full of, of ammunition and getting ready to fire you into the next level of what he has for you right now. God, I release that. I release that in this life. In the mighty name of Jesus, even those things that have come to negate, even where there's been a bit of confusion, and I'm not quite sure I understand. I thought I knew, but I don't know. Yes, you do know in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the spirit of confidence and boldness that you placed yeah. in her. But today, Hallelujah. God, I thank you that comes to a, a new dimension as a woman of faith, but she's a woman that knows how to war, my God, a warrior woman. I don't know what they call a warrior woman in Zulu, but that's just, I see a warrior woman. A warrior woman. Like what, I, I mean, they, I know they were called impies, right? The, the Zulu guys, were they called impies? Okay, well, anyways, I see a warrior woman. Lord, I release that warrior woman spirit on the inside of her. In the mighty name of Jesus, right now, right now, God, that there's going to come a freshness even with regards to vision, strategy, like I don't know, this thing's just running dry and it's coming to an end and it's like spluttering and a bit here and a bit there. God, I thank you. It's almost like a relining, a refurbishing that's coming in the name of Jesus with fresh vision, a fresh flow, a fresh dimension. God, that Lord, I thank you that even what she's been through in the name of Jesus, I, I, I thank you, Lord, right now that there's a strengthening coming on the inside of her, a healing, God. It says a healing right now in the name of Jesus. A healing that comes, God. Even because of that disappointment, even because of that letdown, yet the Spirit of God would say, have I not uh, I never let you down? And I will never be a disappointment to you.
But in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, right now for hands that are ready to war, hands that know how to pull back the bow, hands that know how to take the arrow out of the quiver, hands that know how to put the stone in the sling, hands that know how to raise up that battle cry and give a battle war cry in the spirit. Lord, I thank you that you're going to give her a battle cry in the spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, we release that right now. Come on, just lift your hands in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Brother, I don't know who you are, but I just see, you know, little step, little step, little step, little step, little step, little step, little step here, little step there. And you've been moving, you've been moving, but God says, I'm going to enlarge in your, your footsteps. It's not going to be a little step here and a little step there. I'm going to widen your footsteps right now. It's going to, it's going to, you're going to miss a couple of blocks. You're going to miss a couple of levels and go from level one to a level four because I'm just putting greater stride, a greater stride, a greater stride on the inside of you, the capacity to be able to carry a further stride, a, a larger stride. God's putting that on the inside of you because of your faithfulness, your ability to take care of and to nurture what I've placed on the inside of you and what I've placed in your hands. Lord, I thank you for a greater stride that, Lord, in the space of six months, I see phenomenal growth. I see phenomenal things happening that what would take three years is going to take place in six months in the name of Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ha ha ha. Sompo kenamande. Inte de basso pro kenamande. Tando robro se prekeske. Nentanago se prekanamonte. Linda robo sente. I don't know if you purpose to sit together, but I just see the same anointing, the ability to carry uh, the prosperity, the wealth, the resources that God has given unto you. Right now, I, I just see, my goodness, in the name of Jesus, not just a door, but tr triple doors opening. I, I see tremendous favor. Already it's been happening with you, Saloma, but I just see on a greater measure. I see a lot of talk, a lot of promises that have been made to you that are yet to be fulfilled. And God wants you to know they're not going to be just words that were spoken. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. They thought it was just words and they're just telling you to make you feel good. But those words are going to carry weight. They're going to bring uh, to pass what they were spoke, what they promised. Right now, God, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that you'll give her the ability to be able to recognize the true from the false. My God, because uh, God says, I don't want you to waste time and to spin your wheels and, and hang around people that just talk and talk and talk and have nothing to show for it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in, in, in roundabout people that when they do something, even before it's come out of their mouth, they're already causing it to come to pass. Right now, right now, God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for triple doors. I thank you right now for favor, divine favor, divine favor that you have placed on the two of them, God. Lord, even their ability to steward, the ability to manage, the ability to nurture, the ability to take care, my God, because of all of that and because all of that's been in place, thank you to whom 
uh, little has been given, more will be given. And you've been faithful with that. You multiplied the ability, the talent. Lord, I thank you for the more, the more, the more, the more. In the name of Jesus. 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 In my heart surrender until my soul again. You are Lord of all. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Though the seas are raging, you will speak and tame them. And you, you are find my rest. You are in control. Come on, just lift your hands, everybody, one more time in this place. Father, I release right now. Praise the Lord. David, just, I feel in my heart, uh, you know, I know you've experienced a blessing and it's really been great, but just all, I, all I'm, I'm hearing is just tell him to brace himself for what's coming. Just brace himself for what's coming. And I just want to thank you right now, God, that you will release that even as you have promised in the mighty name of Jesus. I feel like I just wanted to... Uh, I don't know, with the woman as well in this place this morning, not to discredit the men, but I just feel like, I don't know, woman, you've got a lot going for you. It's like, I don't know if this is the year for woman. And again, I don't mean to demean and discredit the men, but I just felt like every woman here is positioned for, for not mediocre, not for substandard. And so I, you, you need to be like what I prayed over Leanne, that warrior spirit. Every woman, you need to become a warrior in the spirit. You need to cultivate your own warrior war cry. Your own spiritual Holy Ghost warrior war cry. And if you are married, you need to... You need, to, you need to do that warrior war cry over your husband and over his business. Because I, I see a, a, a lot of just like a, a thrusting, a supernatural. Th I don't know if it's just the year of the woman or what it is. Uh, and again, men, don't get upset with me. I, I just, that's, that's what I just felt in my spirit. I just felt that in my spirit that there's a whole lot more going for you than what you realize. And you need to take the bull by both horns. You know what I mean by that? You need to make make full use of the opportunity that's that's upon your life I almost see like in fact in fact I've just prayed if I think about it now I prayed for all the women I just prayed for all the women it's just dawned on me but not to discredit the men okay men don't get upset with me but I'm just feeling for the woman like you need to grab the bull by both its horns and make hay while the sun shines because I don't know it's almost like a door of opportunity is open over the woman just an unusual, an unusual, I mean, thank God for the woman, but thank God for the men as well. Amen. And men, you can, you can say, hey, if my wife's highly favored, then I'm highly favored as well. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Father, this morning we bless you. I bless every person. May this be the best year of every person's life here. Lord, I decree a limitless 2019 over every life, every family, every business. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said...
Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, I, I don't want to keep you too long. There is uh, some tea and coffee available. If you want to hang out and just talk a little bit, you can. Uh, otherwise, if you've got to get back to work, that's also fine. Next month, what date is it next month? The 14th, I think it is. 14th of March. 14th of March. We're going to have Pastor Titch. How many of you remember him? All right. It's going to be great. Bring some unsafe friends. Bring some of your colleagues. Bring some of your, uh, if you can, your colleagues at work, and we're going to have a great time. Amen. 14th of March, 9 o'clock, Dairazit, and we're going to have a great time. Amen. You are blessed. Have a great, great day. All right.